0: This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity created by the real life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel and I'm early voting tomorrow and you should too, go vote. I have very noisy neighbors and Snyder's pretzel balls are my new road trip must have snack. I'm Emily
1: Kirkwald and i don't like ketchup or mustard i played the viola in middle and high school but you don't want to hear me play right now and i was a grand marshal in a disneyland parade
2: hi i'm janelle i'm published in reader's digest online i want to live by the ocean in a town that gets quiet at night and i visited eight states in september and we are your host of the true north collective podcast
0: (laughs) Sweet. <laughs> What's a grand marshal? You get to lead the parade. How it did you to get to in, do like,
1: that? The car. Um, my mom and I were, we went there when I turned 16, and we were just sitting outside really early one morning. And some guy came up to us and was like, Hey, do you want to be in the grand marshal in the parade today?
2: We're like, No way. Yeah. It That's was really so cool. cool. So, we did, were you in a car? Yeah. And did you like? Did you just they to like sit announced there and wave? us? And,
0: yeah, that's, that's cool. insane. How that was long was the really parade? Cool.
1: I don't know, maybe ten <laughs> minutes. Like, pretty short. Like in the middle of the day, but that's so it was, cool. It was really cool. Did they really give special. you like
2: a a crown or a baton or something to like orchestrate anything, or was no, it just? But waiting? they took
1: our picture after, and I have like a little certificate of it. And... So fun. Yeah, we got to be in like a the grand marshal car. So
2: that reminds me when I was my first job outside of college, I was an executive event planner and I planned the commencement ceremonies. And we always selected a grand marshal from the faculty and they got to hold the special banner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's my only experience with grand marshals Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's awesome. I perform I performed in uh in Epcot when I was I don't know I must have been 15 I think my dance studio got to go down there that was pretty crazy you get to like see behind the scenes and you're like the magic is killed <laughs>
1: <laughs> right
0: yeah it's like behind the special doors and you're like oh but
1: it's then we got like
0: regular people that were yeah here. <laughs> wait a second yeah no but we got to they let us into I don't remember the different parks now, but we got to go into whatever the park is that had the Tower of Terror, and we we just went on it, like, ten times, like, just because there was no way there, so we just kept running and, like, getting back on it.
2: Uh, that's yeah. so fun. I feel like the only thing I've done in Florida is got shit on by a pelican. like we've talked for the podcast.
0: <laughs> Neat. Not as fun. <laughs> no, not as fun. No fun
2: accolades <laughs> for me. Probably cried before going on a roller coaster and got pooped on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Emily, where do you live? Um,
1: In the Twin Cities. <gasps> Suburb of Minneapolis. Uh, Osseo.
0: I know of it. I used to live in St. Louis Park.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not far at all. So, yeah, yeah
0: near, like, Brooklyn Park, Maple Grove, yeah, yeah, yeah. West Metro. Has it started snowing yet? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, it <laughs> has. Yep.
1: How There's you- still snow uh, on top of our pumpkins that are on our stuff mm-hmm.
2: right now. That <sighs> hurts my so my car I just drove it from California to Wisconsin and um I'm not in Wisconsin right now but it's there with my parents and my dad sends me photos of it every once in a while it was a cute little dad thing to do and a week ago it was it had all the festive autumn leaves on it and then he sent me one a day or two ago, and it was just covered in snow I'm like my poor baby has never
0: experienced snow before <laughs>
2: Sorry. Snow. Yeah.
0: I'm such a winter baby my birthday's in January I just Oh, I just love What day it. in January? The 29th. Mine's the 21st.
2: Ooh, Aquarius? Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. Okay, well, my half birthday is in January.
1: <laughs>
0: not so same. I'm in front of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever gone to the firm, Emily? No. Oh, okay. You got to check it out. I mean, do you like cycling classes or going to? Stu- well, I guess it's COVID right now. So maybe not. But. Someday, if you can go to the firm, it is like hands down my favorite studio that's in existence. Yeah. It's like just the coolest community ever. So. All right. I'll have to note that. Yes. Have to check it out.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. Mm
1: -hmm. I bet if even with COVID, I mean, a lot of places now have things spaced out. They might still have like limited classes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely check it out. It's, that was one of the hardest things that i i had to say goodbye to um and i every time i can like plug it i'm like go to the firm go to the firm because <laughs> it's, it's the best yeah i haven't
2: heard the firm of like i mean i've been there but i haven't heard anyone talk about the firm in so long it's funny when you said it, i was like
1: the firm where oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm more of a runner but i do like trying out different kinds of classes are Yeah, they got a lot
2: are you a road runner trail runner road Iowa runner road
1: mm-hmm.
2: do you do marathons half marathons half, for marathons. leisure
1: half marathons or or yes just leisure
2: Fair.
1: but i have like a group of like other moms in my neighborhood so we like get together and go for runs so
0: that's, that's fun. so fun
1: like tomorrow i'm meeting somebody at 5 a.m so we can run before work.
0: how far how long do you run on like a 5 a.m run
1: uh usually just
0: three miles okay I can handle that. Yeah. How many half marathons have you done? Six. Okay. Damn. Nice. That's awesome. I I did my first one when I first moved to Dallas. Like maybe it was two years ago now. Um, and it was hard. It was hard. I I mean, I trained for it, mm-hmm. but the last four miles, I stiffened up real bad, oh, and like yeah. the last bit of it. You run alongside, like you come into the finish line right alongside the the full marathoners and they were mm-hmm. flying past me. I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. in a lot of pain and you are you are sprinting past me at, after running twice as long as me. This is realizing.
2: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know how some people are just such natural runners. No matter how often I train every year for the Ragnarok, I feel like I don't get better. <laughs> An average... Slower runner, and I'm here to accept it and be proud.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm
0: definitely in it to finish, and not to place. Yeah, I think trail running is actually easier. I mean, I know it's like not, but I think I think it's easier for my body, like from an impact standpoint. But... For me, it's mentally
2: easier because I'm like, ooh, nature. Ooh, ooh! We're on the run I'm just
1: like, huh. <laughs> is it out yet? Yeah, the views <laughs> aren't as nice. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm I'm afraid of trail running because I just know too many people that are like, oh, I slid down this rock pile, or like in winter especially, like people
0: go oh. like, uh, I
2: don't know. Yeah. I think
0: a- I think that's where why I like it because I was a dancer, so it's like I'm more so it like keeps me in that as a I don't know i feel like it just that's how my body is like i i um yeah i just feel like i am able to like bounce around more and like kind of bob and weave with whatever the elements are um which is why i think i like it but i don't know to each is i mean whatever works for you right (laughs) it's not like one's better or worse right exactly exactly all right should we introduce emily
2: yeah before we introduce dr emily we are excited to announce that we have our final workshop of 2020. Our workshops are recorded on the podcast. They're free, and we're bringing Judy back from Thrive. We would love to have you listen, give us feedback, see what you think. And if you haven't checked out our other free workshops, they are on our website at the under the workshops tab. All right, let's introduce Emily. So I'm saying Dr. Emily, because I read that on your site, and oh. hell yeah, Dr. <laughs> Emily is a pharmacist, a natural family planning educator, speaker, wife, and mom who loves running half marathons, drinking coffee with almond milk and coconut oil, yes, and having dance parties with her kids. She's also the host of Holy A Woman podcast, which I've listened to. It's hella interesting, so I highly recommend (laughs) to check that out. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. We're excited to have you here. Thank you. I am very excited and honored to be here. Yay. So when you and I chatted, one of the things that I was really excited about talking um, about is the natural family planning. So we're going to get into that today. That's just a little bit of a teaser. But before we jump into that, just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are from being an educator, a pharmacist, to being a mom
1: Yeah. Yeah. It all ties in together, right? Um, Yeah. You know, I graduated from pharmacy school with my doctorate um, in 2013 and I just went into hospital pharmacy and like, that's where I thought I was going. Um, But then, you know, I got married and my husband and I had our son in 2015 and, um, you know, just being a mom, your perspective kind of changes. But it was really when um, my husband and I decided that we wanted to have a second kid that things really started to change. Um, When I had got pregnant with my son, it was very easy to get pregnant. I had been on birth control before. I went off the pill, we got pregnant. Like, okay, so let's do this again for baby number two. And then it didn't happen that way. And it took us a while and a lot of tears and, you know, struggle to get pregnant again. And once I was able to get pregnant again, I just knew that for me personally, birth control had something to do with the reason why we had a our time. And I just knew that I didn't want to put that stuff in my body anymore. And so I had heard about natural family planning, but I had never really looked into it. And so I went all in looking into it and then I started using it, and then it literally changed my life, and I was like, I love this, and it's helped me, and now I
2: need to help other women use it too. That uh, is amazing. Um, I don't really know if we've had these conversations in the podcast. It, correct me, Rachel, if I've already shared a bunch of this, but I am incredibly passionate about this topic. I know for me personally, I got put on birth control very young. Um, I think it, you know, it's just like something that people are like, you should maybe put your kids on birth control or they have, I had pretty bad acne. So that seemed to always be the solution to acne. And then I was on birth control for, I don't know, 12 to 14 years, probably. I mean, a long time. And I just never stopped taking it because it was like, why, why would I, even if I wasn't sexually active, it was just like, I'm on it. I was using it for, um, for acne and, and I kept taking it and, I I never felt like there was a, a different way.
0: I don't, I think, I think you did. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember what we've recorded. We right, talked about. <laughs> um, but there was, there was like a Mark Groves podcast that we both listened to. And he talked to a woman about it. And I think both of us went like, oh my gosh, like we can't believe this. Because the same thing for me. I mean, I'm in my late thirties, but I I was just thinking, I think around the same time that around the same age that you are Janelle in my late twenties, maybe right before I turned 30 is when I could feel my body. My body was like rejecting it. That's what it felt like. And I was like, I, I can't take this anymore. And I actually was going through the process of potentially freezing my eggs. Um, I shared on the podcast before that I had cancer. And so I got put on birth control right after to regulate just my system to make sure that everything that I got through the chemo and radiation didn't, you know, stop anything. So it was really meant to just like make sure my system was was working how it's supposed to. So I too was on it for, I guess, 15 years. And then my parents were like, you might want to freeze your eggs because I wasn't in a place where I was trying to have kids or anything. And Again, given my medical history, we kind of weren't sure how much my system was gonna age because of everything, but pregnancy was an issue. Um, And so I started to go through the process of getting the blood work for that. And you have to come off birth control. And when that process was like crazy too, like I felt withdrawals and like crazy stuff. And then when I decided not to go through with the freezing of the eggs, which is another conversation, I went back on because I thought that's what I was supposed to. And then I re I was like, I can't. And so then I just stopped, but I literally, it's like condoms. That's all I know of. So I'm super interested to hear what you're going to say about what my other options are. Cause at this point, I'm not planning on having kids, but I also am not on anything. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's just mind boggling that we're not having these conversations And that women are basically only being told to take birth control for everything. And it's just gonna fix, it's gonna help you avoid pregnancy, but also it's just gonna fix whatever kind of issue you have. And there's not even a discussion about this is one option in addition to other options. It's like, nope, you're a woman, you need this. Bye.
0: Well, totally. And even like I was talking to my mom. I don't remember when a few years ago. And she was like, well, honey, you had your period before we put you on the birth control. And I was like, why was I on birth control then? And then I think again, it was just like that idea that we're not really sure how, like we just want to make sure. But I was always under the impression that I didn't have one and I had to be on the birth control. And then she was like, no, no, you had it. You had, and I was just like, what? Oh my gosh. But yeah. Anyways, so I don't even really know what to ask <laughs> because it's such a, it's such a like default. It, in my perspective, it feels like such a default way of like, you get to a certain age, you sh- that's what you do because that's the contraception that exists. So how do people find out about other ways? Like how would these, how do these conversations happen? Right?
1: yeah you have to have a physician that's open enough to talk about natural options which unfortunately our traditional medical system is not very well set up for that uh you know usually you get 15 minutes for your doctor and she's got to do her whole exam and so then you gotta find a natural family planning educator, a naturopath. There's some chiropractors I know that educate about fertility awareness or natural family planning. But I think a lot of women end up finding out because they just know that they need to figure it out. And then it's doing a lot of research and hoping that you you figure out something right or talking to enough friends that knows another friend. So that's a huge part of my mission is just – let's get this message out there, let's be having these conversations so that women do know where to go to know their options.
2: That's so true. I um I don't think I said this in my original spiel, but I think three, maybe four years ago, I finally did go off birth control because I'm just like, I've never been an adult and not been on birth control. I mean, heck, I like, basically was on birth control as a, in all my teenage years too. Um, And I recently went to a, a physician and I mean, she was great, but we had the conversation and of course people are like, well, what are you, you know, what are you using for birth control? Like, how are you preventing pregnancy if that's not what you're going for? And she did like provide me with options, but they're basically all hormonal birth control, or it's like a copper IUD, which I've heard mixed reviews on too. And it's like, like, I knew I just didn't want to go back on it. And I know maybe a little bit more about natural family planning. Cause I had one of the thermometers that I bought a while ago um that I'm terrible at using so <laughs> we could get into that but um but it was, like it was frustrating i was mad cuz i'm like i'm so sick of just people just being like well take get on the pill or get the like i almost got the thing inject like put in my arm and then i just remembered like why i went off the pill and like the things that i was experiencing um that went away and like how much clearer i was and like my sex drive went back up and um like even, I don't know, I feel like I was just like a, a chiller, calmer person in some ways too. Like, I feel like it fundamentally changed my personality and it took having a conversation with another friend that I was talking to about birth control. I was like, oh yeah. I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to go back on the pill. And even though I I did for a little while and like instantly, and of course, like it takes time to settle in, but I was like, I felt out of control of my emotions again. I was like, no. Fuck this, I'm done. So I feel like this conversation. I'm super excited about it. And to Rachel's point, I guess maybe like, how did you hear about natural family planning? Like, who introduced it to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually first heard the term natural family planning because. My husband and I actually decided to join the Catholic Church as adults, and so natural family planning is actually something that the Catholic Church promotes and so I was one of those weird people that like when I was joining the church, like I actually wanted to like read the church's like teachings, and so I like did a lot of like research because because I wanted to know what I was getting a part of, and so basically I like Read this, and then my pharmacist brain was like, "Wait, no! If you want to avoid a pregnancy, you have to take birth control. Like, that's the only thing that works." Like, so I just kind of ignored it. And nobody talked to me about it, and so, but that—that's where the first like seed was
2: planted. That's I, yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. I like, I don't know why, because I think I actually knew that the Catholic Church supported natural family planning, and does and like there's a lot of ignorance and I should know this because I grew up Catholic but is the Catholic church against birth control yeah why okay yeah um so I guess that would make sense but that's so interesting
0: yeah yeah I also will say so I I have started using the cup the salt cup I'm gonna plug it because it's the best ever and it's like when I I've only used it for like two months so far but my friend used to be a birthing nurse that she is like, has an actual title. I just can't remember what it's called. A doula? She's not a doula, okay. but she's not any of it anymore, but she knows a whole lot about that stuff. She's the one who got me into it. And like, when I first started using it, I was like, there's this white stuff. And she's like, Oh yeah, that's just because that's your whatever fluid. And she's like, pay attention to it. You'll start to be able to tell like, And so now I can actually, instead of having a tampon where I can't tell anything that's going on, really, I can tell everything. And it's like, I feel so much more intimately connected to my body and I still don't totally understand it. But as I've even just started to talk to people about using the cup, people are like, oh yeah, did you know that, you know, you can tell when you're actually, like you can take your temperature, you can tell the shape, like where your cervix is shaped and how it's, it will change Not direction, but it like changes its angle depending. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, how am I 37 and I'm just now experiencing this? And it's a beautiful thing. And I remember when I was first using it, I was really nervous. I was just like, "Oh God, what am I? What am I gonna do? I'm gonna stick my fingers where? But it's a beautiful, beautiful experience, and I'm very grateful that I am at the place that I am with it. Anyway, so I'm sure you're going to talk about all that, but I never even realized any of that stuff. So <laughs> yeah,
2: I didn't until I think the Wealthbed Woman podcast, they started talking about it and that's where I believe I was first introduced to it. But let's actually, so Emily, would you be willing to break down like what it is? So if someone has never heard the term before, like I feel like we've been dropping little hints and, and goodies about what it entails, but like give us the breakdown.
1: Yeah, so natural family planning, uh, the other term for it that's commonly used is fertility awareness, um, is recognizing your body's natural signs of fertility, and we can get into what are those signs, and then keeping track of those signs, and then using that information. So, and either using that information for monitoring your overall health, so Actually, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, ACON, has called our menstrual cycles the fifth vital sign, and it can give us a lot of information about our overall health as women, Um, but then also it can be used either to avoid a pregnancy naturally or to optimize
0: timing for achieving pregnancy. Okay, I know that there's more questions, but how does somebody go, because I've been learning that even the vulva is like a recent anatomical, anatomically correct discovery. Like it was not represented accurately in the medical field for a long time. How do you go to somebody who knows how to have these conversations or can? Like, what do they? What training do they have to have?
1: That's a good question. Um, so there are different. Natural Family Planning methods available that have different certification programs and there are different requirements. So um, there are some methods that allow just anyone who's interested in learning about the natural family planning method to become certified in that method. There's other methods, um, like the Marquette method is the one that I'm certified in. They only certify healthcare professionals to be instructors. So you just have a little bit more of a healthcare background um, to be able to bring that into your
0: instruction. It's just wild because if it's the fifth Vital, would you say the fifth vital sign for women? Like how like that should just be a standard understanding.
1: Right. And it's like, well, why aren't we learning this just in health class? Like why why didn't I ever learn about cervical mucus? Right. (laughs) Thank you. Like (laughs) that's just like a natural part of my body. Why didn't I know about why didn't I even learn about that in pharmacy school? Like
2: really. Why? Yeah. And and like, what if you knew that from a younger age? Like, how would your relationship with your body change? How would your sexual relationships change if you had more respect and understanding of your own body versus being like, oh, like, I don't know. I remember even when I was younger and it was like, oh, there's like stuff down there, even then like sexual encounters. And it's like, yeah, this is all natural and normal, but no one ever talked about it. So I feel really insecure about very normal things related to my body that are actually beautiful and interesting and informative
1: and i just wonder too um you know with the amount of women that struggle with fertility and getting pregnant and just hormone issues like if we were taught as girls to monitor our cycles then if you're paying attention to your cycle every month, then you would be able to see when is something off and start looking into that sooner than just be taking a pill that is shutting down the way that your body was made to work and then just ignoring it basically until you decide that you want to get pregnant. And then it's like, oh wait, my body's screwed up and Probably could have known about that 10 years ago. And now I'm like feeling pressured to figure this out because I really want a baby right now.
0: Preach. (laughs) Yeah, the idea of like forcing your body into, uh, I mean, just basically numbing it out is just like, I mean, it's just so prevalent in so much of our society, unfortunately, from drinking as a as masked as fun to workaholism and like overproduction as a sign of success and it's just like it's so gosh I mean I guess in that respect it's kind of not surprising um but I'm very glad that you are so passionate about this and actually um talking to us, having a podcast, like doing what you can to, to just open it up. And, and I appreciate that. It's, I don't sense from you that it's like, um, I don't know, you're passionate about it, but you're not, um, belittling. And I think that that's important. It's an inviting conversation.
1: Right. I mean, the thing that I'm most passionate about is making sure women can make truly informed decisions. Like if you want yeah. to take birth control, like take birth control, but I want you to take it in the context of I know all of my options, and this is what I'm choosing to do and not feeling like I'm stuck going this one way because I was told that's the only thing I can do
2: and to have the the contrast, yeah, I know <laughs> the contrast and the comparison, because like we were saying and and I agree, and I appreciate you bringing it up, like if you want to be on birth control, like. Great. Like, if it works for you, because I do, I think for some people, it actually really works for them and it's a great option. But I didn't know any different until I took the time to be off of it. It took forever. Like, I think I had one period in a year after going off of birth control to get my period back even. And then to realize, like, I don't even think I fully knew what it meant to be horny. <laughs> It's like, we're really going to go there until I was off birth control. And then I was like, oh, like when I'm specifically when I'm ovulating, I'm like, this is a whole new emotion and feeling that I have never felt. And I was, I don't know, 26 years old. Like, that's fucking insane. (laughs) Like, I don't think I'd ever truly felt what it was like to be horny. Like I just, yeah, it blows my mind. So
1: because you were truly experiencing your body's real hormones and not just this synthetic synthetic hormones that were you know it it's just shocking if you think about it birth control is the only medication that we give to healthy patients to stop their body from functioning normally think about that for a minute it's fucked up
0: (laughs) It's so fucked up.
1: And it's just, and it's crazy because there's this whole conversation and this, you know, idea around birth control that it's so empowering to women, right? And it gives you freedom. And it, you know, this is like part of, you know, the women's movement. And it's like, wait, wait, that's not actually right you know I think like when the birth control pill came out you know in 1950 um yeah like it makes sense in that context like yes women had a way that they knew of to be able to avoid a pregnancy and you know they had that tool but then all of a sudden we've got to this place where yeah, we're just telling women, this is the only tool that you have and just ignore anything that you can say about your body. And and basically the message, you know, from even that time was women can't understand their own body. can't learn their own body. So we better just give them this pill to take.
0: I was going to say, sadly enough, I mean, that's how I felt. I mean, when I went off of it, I went off of it because I, it didn't feel great, but I, I don't I didn't go into the research or anything. I kind of just was like I just can't be on this. And I was also experiencing hypothyroidism um previous to that, so I was like very I was starting to pay attention to the subtleties of my hormone shifts and and I was like I I guess I'll just have to figure out how not to be on it. Like I didn't know to think of another I don't I just like but um I I mean I never it's not like people were there supporting you know, I didn't really talk about it much because if I did, a lot of people didn't totally understand. I mean, not that they had like a really strong opinion, like get back on it, but like, they were just kind of like, huh, why, why would you do that? And they would suggest other things like get, uh, uh, what is it? IUD. I just want to say DUI. It is yeah. not DUI. <laughs> I-U-D. IUD. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but it is, uh, it is interesting. It's,
2: well, and I think we, we sweep the side effects under the rug as well. And, and again, I fully want to acknowledge that for some people it works and there aren't little side effects, but because we're being put on it and I, and I can speak from my experience, like, but because I was put on it so young, I didn't even know I had the side effects until I stopped. And again, like it, I think it truly fundamentally changed my personality slightly. And who I was and how it was triggered. And like, that is wild to me that we, I lived that many years, and it probably wasn't like crazy, like a crazy big change, but still, I lived that many years with something that, Rachel, to your point, was numbing my body out in certain ways and also like having me react and being triggered in other ways. And like, I didn't know there was a difference or that other people had experienced that. Like, I had no idea that low libido was a side effect of birth control pills. No idea. Or that I think I just read the other day that 40% of women experience like pretty severe mood swings or depression. And like, I feel like those are the things we don't, yeah, we don't talk about when it comes to going on birth control. It is the default option. And I don't like, and maybe you all, if you had a different experience, please let me know but I was never educated on that stuff. Like, I remember being like, Oh, it might increase your like chance of getting a blood clot and a heart attack if you're a smoker, but no one talked about like, you're never going to be horny or this could potentially make you moodier or it can put you in a depression. Like what?
0: Yeah. Well, and I remembered what I was going to say, which was what Emily was, what Emily you were saying was um, that, it's overcome, like, it's considered like, Oh, you can't, you can't possibly figure out what is going on with your body. It's just too complicated. And, um and I think I have, I mean, I have felt that way. That's why I used tampons. Like I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to know it's weird. It's just like this thing because I'm a woman and, and like thinking about even naturally conceived. I know um, we had someone on our first season who is my good friend from college and she started talking about how she was taking her temperature and doing all this stuff and could, was like paying attention to the fluids. And I was like, what, God, this seems like a lot of work. And like, <laughs> um, but it is, it, it is kind of um, insulting to self to be like, Oh, you don't have the time to pay attention to this like magnificent system that you have that is like, keep alive. And, doing incredible things and can create life and you can't pay attention to a few markers (laughs) to be able to like keep it alive like that seems just crazy as I'm like sitting here with it you can count your steps yeah and your calories your calories yeah (laughs) you bet your reps (laughs) um so what are the markers
1: Yeah. So there are four main signs of fertility that our bodies give us. And that's really cool too, because then there are different options for women and different methods will use different signs or different combinations of signs. So the first one is the one that's been studied the most. And what you alluded to, Rachel, is cervical fluid. And so this is a normal fluid that's produced by your cervix. And um, during your time of ovulation, your cervical fluid will get very clear in color and very stretchy and very like slippery or wet feeling. And so just when you go to the bathroom, you know, after you wipe, pay attention to what's on the toilet tissue and you can pay attention to Is there fluid there? And then what is the quality of that? And by doing that, then you can see how the characteristics change during your cycle. Um, The second sign is um, what you mentioned, Janelle, is the temperature. And I don't use temperature either because I just feel like it doesn't work for me. But it can be a great option. your resting body temperature or basal body temperature will subtly change throughout your cycle. Specifically, after ovulation happens, you'll see a rise in your body temperature, and so it can confirm that you did ovulate. Um, So temperature can is really best used in addition to one of the other signs as like a double check that yes, I did ovulate. Um, The thing with temperature is that you do need to have a thermometer that can check at least two decimal points to be accurate enough to get that subtle change. And you have to be very consistent about the timing of when you're checking your temperature. You really need to do it like first thing in the morning. Um, I've even like read you should really like be laying in bed, like still laying and put the thermometer in your mouth for like five minutes and then turn the thermometer on. So I mean, if you just like having a lazy morning and that's cool with you, like maybe temperature is good for you. That's what I would do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> First thing in the morning, just in my mouth. Just what's my temperature? Which by the way, if anyone is interested in it, the um Thermometer that I use is called wink. So I'll just throw that okay. out there. <laughs> yeah. You.
1: Yeah. But if you're somebody that has like inconsistent wake up times or um, you know, like if you're like a new mom and you're only getting a couple hours of sleep, like that's gonna mess up your temperature too. Um, and then another sign of fertility that can be checked is the changes in your cervix. So um your cervix, the feel of it will change during your cycle and the position. And so at the time of ovulation, your cervix will move from a higher position to a lower position, and it will um, change from a more firm texture to a more soft texture. And so similar to the cervical mucus, um, if you are keeping track of this every day, then you can notice the changes throughout the cycle. And then the fourth sign is that now we have technology that can allow us to check our own hormone levels right at home. So there's devices like the Clear Blue Fertility Monitor that will um, let you check with just a simple urine test, like similar to like a urine pregnancy test. Um, It will check levels of your estrogen and your luteinizing hormone. And so Um, you know, at the very start of your cycle, like right after your period, your estrogen levels are low, and then they increase. And then at the time of ovulation, your estrogen levels get to be the highest, and it stimulates the release of luteinizing hormone. And so if you're checking your urine hormone levels, um, you can check this rise, and then it will, it will actually give you readings like low, high, or peak fertility. So that can be like another clear um, objective sign. And so that can be used, you know, in addition to one of the other signs or on its own too. Um, so those are those are the four main signs. And it's just, so it's really asking yourself, like what would work best with my lifestyle and, you know, what would make sense for me? Um, you know, like with the urine hormone testing, you have to buy a device, you have to buy test strips. So if you don't want to do that, like, Cervical mucus is free. You just have to be able to pay attention to your body and be willing to, you know, look at this fluid that's coming out of you. But like you said, Rachel, like once you start doing it, it is pretty amazing to know what your body is doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't even really know what I'm looking for, but even just to be that to be that intimate with myself is just a, like an awareness piece, not from a sexual plea place um but just to like i don't know just to like have that care and for me anyways i actually i mean i talk to my different parts of my body all the time i have a i have a very um or i'm developing a deeper relationship with my body than i've ever had and so even the process of like not just jamming something up there and really being like how are you you know like energetically like gentle and and listening to if my body's ready to like receive the salt cup right now or if it needs something else or do I need to I don't know it's I mean it sounds when I say it out loud it's it is very personal actually like the fact that I'm sharing it I'm like oh this is really vulnerable but um that's changed it's changed for me um And it feels really good to be treating myself that way and to be paying attention and um, giving it what it needs and not just forcing it to to do what I want it to do, but to really listen and 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 um, to what it needs. So, yeah. How can you tell um, or what would you be looking for that would indicate um, something that wasn't healthy, just inconsistency for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Inconsistency or, um, you know, when you know the signs that specifically indicate ovulation and you're not seeing those signs, then that could be a sign that you're not ovulating um, And then something's not right. But yeah, if your cycles like abnormally short or long or You know, if something's different in the characteristics before ovulation, that might have something more to do with your estrogen levels. If it's after the time of ovulation, it might have something to do more with your progesterone levels.
2: Taking a really quick break to let you know that the True North Collective is on YouTube. How exciting. We have been starting to use video on these podcasts, so if you're more of a visual learner, make sure to check us out on YouTube. We will link it in the show notes, and you can actually watch our Zoom calls as well as listen to the audio. All right, let's jump back in.
0: And what do you, the thing that came up for me as you were talking was like, okay, the more aware I get about my body, because this has happened before, and I, I I, am not poo-pooing Western medicine. It you know, at all, um, and there's been times when I've self-advocated where I've had some doctors almost not take me seriously, and so I guess my question is, what what do you suggest in terms of being able to um, advocate for yourself in some of these conversations when when I am paying attention. Versus just like the once a year where I'm getting my pap smear, you know, to be able to be like, hey, this is what I'm noticing and, and to have it be taken seriously, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And one that I get quite a bit because I've had that experience too. Like even OBGYNs that I like, but are just like, well, yeah, what are you doing for birth control? Like, oh, you're doing something natural. Like, okay, good luck with that. Um, but I think it is having confidence, having confidence in yourself and, you know, so then you can say to your provider, like, I'm using this, this is what I'm paying attention to. This is what I'm seeing. And this is how it's working for me. I think just going in there with that, um, is a big first step.
0: Yeah, that's usually how it's worked with the other areas of my life too. Um, Yeah.
1: And, I think, and then I think too, you know, especially if you are very motivated to avoid a pregnancy or if you have some kind of, you know, medical concern where you really are wanting to avoid pregnancy, naturally, if you are following a specific method, if you're working with an instructor, like those are things that you can bring up to like, listen, I've looked into this, like, this is what I'm doing, you know, there, there's actually like, research out there medical evidence for different natural family planning methods but a lot of healthcare professionals aren't aware of those at least that's been my experience.
2: I was going to ask to um, because I think one of the things that has stopped me from trusting this more consistently and even me reconsidering going back on birth control is just my body like getting back into its rhythm I mentioned it took me a long time to get my period after I stopped birth control and I'm I feel like now it's more consistent but do you find that people you work with have a consistent period that actually does like their cycle time stays consistent or do you work with people where it's all over the place and if so do you approach that in a different way because sometimes I wonder I'm like do I even ovulate every month like I'm I don't know, are you supposed to ovulate every month? I'm going to say supposed to in quotes here. Like I, sometimes I don't even, I don't know, like, is this normal? Is my cycle time normal? And it has been really inconsistent most of my life. So I don't feel like I've either paid attention or have metrics to compare it to for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those are good questions. Um, So let's see, what should I say first? It is normal to ovulate every cycle, but there are cycles um, where we can just miss ovulation and that is a normal occurrence. I don't have like the statistic off the top of my head, Um, but it is normal to have like a cycle or two where you just don't ovulate for whatever reason. Um, But I've definitely worked with women who have regular cycles and have irregular cycles. So, um, especially women who I've worked with who have come off birth control or come off the IUD, it does take a while for your body to get back on a natural rhythm. Um, I know some of the medical literature I've looked at is like up to nine months after for your body to really be fully using its own hormones and um, having like totally natural cycles. Um, But then I've had other women that have come to me, like they are um, getting married and have never had intercourse before and want to learn natural family planning, like never had birth control before. And so those women, I, well, I would say a good handful of those women then I've seen have more regular cycles, but then it has been interesting, you know, a couple of women that I've worked with who, you know, haven't had hormonal contraceptives before. Um, Notice like, yeah, cycles of different length or that the ovulation day varies a lot. And then that is where, you know, it triggers more questions like, should we look into this more? Should you get some more lab testing? Like, let's figure out why this is happening. Um, But I would say, you know, I think there is this idea or I feel like I got this idea I don't know if it was like from public school health class or what that your cycle has to be 28 days every cycle and that's not true. Um There's different resources that say what a normal cycle length should be but it's really anywhere from like 26 to 35 days in length and so it's it's normal for your cycle to vary in length by a few days.
2: Yeah I I Maybe it is from taking birth control too, because I know it's what four, four sets of seven. But when I went off of it, I'm like, I don't even like. How often should I really be getting my period? Or what happens if I, you know, get my period in two weeks and then it's another eight weeks? And and for anyone who's listening to this, I'll, I'll just be as transparent as possible. Not only did it take me over a year after I got off of birth control to have, like, a period. I think even in my second year, I had two to three, which again, indicates probably a lot of things and that might not just be from hormonal birth control, but like it did eventually settle out. And I'm sure there's a bunch of reasons for that too, outside of just birth control. But I, that was one of the reasons with the wink and taking my temperature, I'm just like, well, my, my cycles are 90 days long. <laughs> like how am I supposed to track this? Um, so I don't know, if, you know, I'm sure that is a very complex question that differs from person to person but it is one of the reasons why I'm asking because I'm sure I'm not the only person that that's had that experience and then I just kind of felt like well what do I do now like I don't want to be back on birth control but I don't even like nothing is consistent about my cycle
1: yeah yeah and so that's where it really helps to be in connection with someone like a natural family planning educator or a naturopath or a chiropractor or an open-minded physician that will really let you ask those questions to why is this happening? Can we figure out what's going on here? And whether that's, you know, lab testing or just doing more of a health history, you know, like for missing cycles, you know, one of the big things that can contribute to that is increased cortisol levels. And so that can be from, you know, increased stress, or just from, you know, increased exercise and not getting enough nutrition, like there's a lot of factors. And so having those kind of conversations.
2: And I'll highlight the open minded too, because I remember I eventually did blood tests, and I had to like my primary physician to do everything I asked her to do. She was not open-minded about it. And she's like, you don't need that. And I'm like, but I want it. She's like, you don't need it. I'm like, I don't care. I want it. Like I want <laughs> I want to know these levels and yeah, it's it, it's amazing how frustrating it can be to be your own advocate and and getting those things and trying to get answers and then I basically had to kind of interpret them myself, although I'm sure I could have found someone um,
0: but anyway I have two questions for you. One is, as you start to become menopausal, and if you became premenopausal, would you be able to tell that from your period, from those markers that you were talking about?
1: Yeah, you should be able to see changes in your cycles um, that would indicate that you're getting close to um, menopause. What would Um, those
0: be? What would it look like?
1: Typically it would be that your cycle length would increase. So you'd be going longer between periods. And okay. then like with the cervical mucus, um, the quality of that would decrease as well. And then what does you... that mean
0: the quality decreases? Like um, it's not as clear.
1: Yeah, it's not as clear or you there might not be as much, like the amount might decrease. Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it's very much like a part of my part of probably what's gonna happen for me. So any way that I can be paying attention, um, I really, really want to. So okay, and then the second question, which is a really kind of off the wall question. I swear to you, my period lines up with the full moon. And so I'm curious if there's any truth to the fact that my cycle is lined up with the moon.
1: That is an excellent question. And yes. 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 Oh okay, my gosh. So that makes me so I'm happy. I've like, just read about this in like a couple of different articles. And it was just in a book that I read too um, by Dr. Jolene Brighton. I can't remember the name of the book right now, but it was awesome.
0: Um, X yeah, Six I want to read it.
1: Yeah. Um, But our cycles can link up with the moon. And so there's there's like two different moon cycles that you can have. So either with the full moon, you ovulate at the time of the full moon or you get your period at the time of the full
0: moon. Oh, I get my period. I thought I'm, like, I confused, I'm pretty sure I ovulate. I confuse <laughs> ovulation with period. So maybe we need to go way back to rudimentary. So, what's the
1: difference between those? <laughs> so, your period is the shedding of your menstrual lining, and all of your hormone levels are at their lowest point. Um, and then your ovulation happens in the middle of your cycle. So typically like 14 days typically um it could really be anywhere from like day 8 to 19 um from the day of your period is when your ovulation will occur
2: that's when you thirsty that's when what i said that's when you thirsty that's when you get horny generally right is that i was like is that horny okay yeah
1: yeah and it's so it's really crazy i was reading about like it it's thought that like way back when, like when we were living in caves, like women would ovulate with the full moon because that was when there was the most light at nighttime, so you could, you know, be on the prowl for the men.
0: That's amazing. I, I just heard it. I just heard that if you shed well, not I didn't say shed, when you have your period. So now when you shed your your monthly stuff, yeah. On the full moon, that means you're wise, and so that I was like, I'll take it because that's <laughs> what <when> I do. <laughs> what do they say about ovulating on the, the full moon? Know, I'm gonna goog- <laughs> I'm gonna Google it right now. It's also good. Both are good. Neither are bad. I'm gonna find out right now. I, you continue yeah, I, to talk.
1: No, you should because I I think that's what I read too, though that it was like. Most women ovulate with the full moon, and there's like a biological reason for it. But then there are some women that have their period on the full moon, so they're like opposite. And that must mean that they're like bucking the system or that they have some kind of like other wisdom.
2: <laughs> this is so accurate for Rachel.
1: That's so. what I do.
0: That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> um, I'm like making my life right now.
2: Why you look that up, Rachel? Another question. In- things I've heard. I feel like okay. The window to actually get pregnant is kind of small, right?
1: Yeah. Can you yeah. talk a little bit more about that? Yes. So uh there are technically only six days every cycle that you can get pregnant. So at ovulation, when that egg is released, your egg can only stick around for a maximum of 24 hours. And then your so your time of ovulation includes those 24 hours and then the five days before that. And that's because in optimal cervical conditions and when you have a lot of this cervical mucus, Sperm can actually live in your body for up to five days. Sperm. And so natural family planning methods are all trying to get as close as possible to that six-day window. Well, I... <laughs> so you cannot get pregnant any day, unlike you may have been told as a teenager. But I'm pretty sperm... sure I was told.
0: But the sperm will live in your system because i thought that five days i'm not even gonna say what i thought that i thought <laughs> well they just only can like live up to five days
1: when there's that good quality well that is a, a lot longer
0: than i thought that though. <laughs> they should be <laughs> living inside of a body <laughs> interesting oh wow. like so many
2: things okay so someone wants to do natural family planning Mm -hmm. they choose a method and you gave them four options and then do you recommend I guess you just start to track and do you like use any tools to track like are you just journaling and writing it down like what does it actually look like to put it into practice
1: yeah yeah so I really love a good old-fashioned Excel spreadsheet. Um, upload, that thing to, upload that thing to Google Sheets. Then you can have it on your mobile device. Share it with you your partner. That. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Actually, it's a very handy communication tool. Uh,
2: you know, you're a Can we buy a template for you?
0: <laughs> Do you have a template
2: uh, for this I can yeah. buy? Mm, okay. Might hit you up about that. <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah, but uh yeah, just keeping track. I I like having seriously I do like having this spreadsheet because then you can customize for what kind of sign you want to keep track of, but then you can just note like what date it is, what day of your cycle it is, and then what you're seeing, and then yeah. Then you're you're keeping track. And then you know, use one for each cycle and then you can compare your different cycles or notice if there's different inconsistencies.
2: Do you Encourage people, and I'm thinking to prevent pregnancy. Do you encourage people to track their cycles for a while first so they understand what they're looking at, or is it more straightforward than that?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, with the women that I work with, it usually takes at least three cycles of tracking to really feel confident in it. Um, so, it's yeah, especially if you're wanting to avoid pregnancy, I would use condoms or use some other kind of method or just know that, you know, you're going to be avoiding intercourse for a while while you're figuring it out.
0: I feel like it's good to know. Rachel, are you still searching? <laughs> yes, I, I can't find it. Hold on. That's okay.
2: We're just going to say that we're just super desirable. Sexual beings. <laughs> so, right. That's going to be my interpretation of ovulating on the full moon, and it yeah. turn into a yeah. werewolf. I turn into a vixen.
1: <laughs> oh, the I mean, the book a... is called Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene okay, so,
0: Brighton. Sweet. It's super I fascinating. I definitely want to read that. What I found here it says, "If you're a white moon woman," um, which I think. Uh, so I'm confused because now I'm like, oh yeah, okay. If you're a white moon woman, that means you bleed when it's a new moon. Then you're tapped out energetically and have given the month your all. It's you time. I don't feel like this is right. I got. I I'm gonna find. I'll try to find it before we do the show notes because I remember seeing some article, and it was like. I just I wish I could remember what the new, what the new moon one was. I can't remember off the top of my head, so I'll try to find it. Mostly. Yeah, I know.
1: I, I I just saw an article like on Instagram. I think that was about
2: the
0: moons that makes sense and
1: menstrual cycles.
2: Yeah. So what do you wish that we haven't already covered that you had known? Like if you could go to Emily. Prior to discovering all of this, like, is there one thing that really stands out or one takeaway for you that you wish you would have known?
0: Are you asking me
2: or are you asking Rachel? Oh, sorry, you, but Rachel can answer later. Okay. So
0: <laughs> Everything. I mean, I just learned that ovulation is different than getting your period. I feel like that's like what I should have known with learning how to, I don't know something (laughs) yeah I mean
1: I wish I would have known about this when I was trying to get pregnant too and like and I know even that part of when my husband and I were going through that and trying to get pregnant like something that came out like months into it was like he didn't even realize that there were certain days of the cycle that I could get pregnant. And I, you know, I didn't know the exact days at that time, but I I at least had this idea that there were only certain ones. So I think just, yeah, realizing that like, once you know this information about your body, then you can use it in multiple ways like you can use it for whatever your health and family planning goals
0: are I was just gonna say I would really I mean like the best thing I've done is to use the cup because it's like as weird as it felt at first or like as like I was like I don't know I'm gonna what um it was like a really good for- I wish that I had started doing it a lot longer ago because it was kind of a first step in just being able to to listen and being able to actually um yeah pay attention it gave me a reason to pay attention and in a very like low it felt low it feels low stakes to me, and then from there, it's like I'm already in the practice of like i mean looking at what's in the cup when. It comes out, and like that has been a very different. Like I'm way more aware now than I was before, and so I think I wouldn't have even had the questions to ask you if I hadn't been doing that. And so I think that's like a really low stakes way to start to pay attention. Um, Well, maybe a thermometer in your mouth is lower stakes, but (laughs) but um, if you want to take it to the next level, I'd say I wish I would have started doing that sooner. Can I transition? I know. Yeah. A little bit of time. Can we talk
2: about cervical fluid? Yeah, for sure. Like the different, I know we talked about if it's sticky, wet and clear, you're probably ovulating, Mm -hmm. but it changes. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So Like,
1: day one of your menstrual cycle is the first day that you get your period. And then after your period is over, which it's usually around three to six days, um, then you usually don't have any cervical fluid. And then when you start seeing cervical fluid, it will usually be minimal. It will be a more cloudy color. And um, it will be more of like a gummy kind of texture um, or just have like a very little bit of stretch. And then, as the days go on getting closer to your ovulation, you'll see more stretch. You might notice that like part of it is more cloudy, and you see a little bit of that clear color. Um, and then, at the time of ovulation, you'll really see this noticeable change of more clear in color and really more stretchy like if you're if you're willing, like actually like pick up the cervical fluid from your toilet tissue and like stretch it, and you'll see like at the beginning of your cycle, it's just a tiny bit, and then like at ovulation, it's like a good amount and then after ovulation, you'll see it go back down and then you'll see very minimal to none and then you get your period and they'll start over.
0: Um, so I, <laughs> this is just like really putting it out there. Um, so I call it leaking when I'm leaking <laughs> and I, that's probably when it's clear and I'm ovulating the most. And I'm like, what's happening? I can't stop it from coming out, what's going on? And that's so crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah, because you should see more amount of it yeah. coming
0: at the time of ovulation. So, what is it? What's a normal amount? <laughs>
1: That is a great question that I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Couple cups. (laughs) Oh, so this is a question for you, Rachel. So (laughs) the cup that you're using is that just a menstrual cup, like for your period, or are you using it like all the time? No, I'm not using it all the time. But what happened?
0: What happened was when I first got it, I was really nervous that. I was, cause I was like, I'm not going to use tampons anymore. Like I'm done putting toxicity into my body. And I was really nervous that when I had my period, like I just didn't know what to expect. And so I was practicing using it before I had my period the first time. And when I did that, when I took it out um, and I don't remember what the timing was, but when I took it out, I texted my friend, Megan, who is actually on the Enneagram podcast episode this year she's the one who told me to do this i was like megan oh my god this is this there was fluid in the cup and she's like yeah dude there should be that's good that means your stuff's working i was like okay um and that's actually when i first started finding out so yeah because it does it like creates a seal um Mm -hmm. yeah and so there wasn't a ton in there but uh i definitely didn't expect there to be anything and um when there was i was just like wtf
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, I use a menstrual cup too. I use the Duchess cup, which I, I don't know really that one. Like, I really like it. Uh, cool. To well, you are gonna link
2: well, to both
0: a... of them. Perfect.
2: And then I'll just but shout I was out like, thanks. Oh. Uh, period underwear again, too. Oh yeah, cubs. <laughs> <So laughs> anyway, good thing.
1: Why is that gross? Do, do you guys compass. use? Do you guys use things?
2: I do. I no, love she them. does. Why did you just call my okay. underwear gross?
1: Because you're bleeding I've been into really, it. I've been really considering having that. Like, I like the cup, but also sometimes, like, I just want to feel like I have a little backup and I don't want to use pads. Yeah.
2: And so people have talked about the things. I love them.
0: And Rachel. I love them. Sure.
2: I don't use a tampon. I don't use a pad. I just wear
0: the I things underwear. C- I just couldn't. I'm so heavy. It's just like, I just, I just don't know if I could. It's a lot. So. A lot of but yeah, up. I could see, I could there's see a it as laundry. an extra layer. <laughs> said, there's that? a lot of laundry that happens during that time, <laughs> but other than that, it's great. I mean, when you use tampons, what how what thickness did you use though? Or like what? I, I feel like I use super, but I don't, I don't know, like a super. Isn't that what they're? I mean, I yeah, I used to use several super pluses, and I would bleed through. So. Yeah it's definitely
2: a, lot. a lighter period maybe but I love them I highly recommend them and they're even nice like I know people that use them and like wear a tampon and it's just like an in case yeah it, yeah that's how I feel like I
1: would use them or have considered getting them for that like
0: yeah, yeah I do I mean I I tried because Megan again was like use a panty liner, which I didn't realize there was a difference between a panty liner and a pad because I've only used tampons. So I actually got the pads and it felt like I was wearing diaper. And I was like, I can't do this. And then when I hear it, so I was like, here, you can have these because I'm not going to use them. And she's like, you got pads. You were supposed to get panty liners. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Again, 37. Great. This is so cool that I never learned this. <laughs> um,
2: Wait, but hold up.
0: I don't think I know the difference either between those two. I, I don't know if apparently- apparently panty liners are a lot thinner, but oh, that's what okay. I was
1: going to say, I think a panty liner is just like a really it's thin. thin. One.
0: It's a thin. Yeah. Pad. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So then I mean, I, after that, I was like, well, I'm just going to try my next cycle without anything and see what happens. And I didn't have any issues with like leaking. Um, but I mean, it could still happen. So that's why I was like, I could just get three pairs of things and just as like a, like added layer. Cause at that point, like, I have the cup and the, the underwear, but I, mean, I just I, haven't gotten there yet. So,
2: and I think they're cute. Although anytime I wear plain black, black underwear, I, people I'm dating are like, you're on your period. I'm like, no, these, <laughs> these are my period <laughs> underwear." but they are cute. I think I, I, they do a good job. I, I would highly recommend them. Options. options. So many
0: options. That's yeah. what we want. We got to find what options. works for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not against it. I'm just, I, I just don't think I could do it alone. Maybe someday when I start to become premenopausal, then I could, but not yet. So
2: toss your referral code then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Emily,
2: we ask this at the end of actually Dr. Emily, we asked, I love that. We, we asked this at the end of every podcast. How do you live your true North in one word? I would say learning. And if people would like to get a hold of you, work with you, if they have questions, if they want to listen to your podcast, where can they do that? Yeah, you can find all of
1: that at my website, which is nfppharmacist.com. So naturalfamilyplanningpharmacist.com or send me an email, emily at nfppharmacist.com. But the website has my contact info, appointments, and um, my podcast.
0: You do remote sessions? Yes. Okay, sweet.
2: Anyone all over the world. That's awesome. Thank
0: you so much. This
2: has been great, and I just feel like it's so important. Like this conversation is just so important, and I hope that if there's anyone out there that they're learning this all for the first time, or hopefully you walk away with some new information and just a way to maybe challenge some of the things that you thought, or to learn a little bit more about yourself and your body, and not to not be afraid of that relationship.
0: Well, it's like. It's like that thing where, like, once you have the language for something, it's not as, like, unknown and scary. And I feel like that's how this process has been for me. It's, like, it seemed a a whole hell of a lot scarier (laughs) to consider my female parts, I guess, and, like, how my body worked until I started paying attention and talking to people and learning the language. And now it's not so foreign. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. So I feel like, yeah, just being being able to have that is like a really cool, oh, it's like, like, how did how was I even living in this body before without this information? I just, it's so crazy. Anyways, thank you so much, Emily. You're all, this has been a pleasure. You're the, e so easy to talk to. You. I literally just poured my insecurities out <laughs> on this podcast no. or not my insecurities, my like Vulnerabilities. I know
2: this speaks volumes so I feel like, working with you. We're all just like, okay, well, here's what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Super (laughs) easy, everybody.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, this has just been a pleasure. And yeah, it's been really great. And I I just love helping women feel comfortable talking about their bodies because, yeah, we all deserve to know our own bodies and how our own bodies work and work with our bodies.
2: Mission accomplished tonight. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.